Deshaun Tate back here with you. Tate's take the podcast. We're back. Always tell you guys 94 feet on uh, 94 feet long, 50 feet wide, 22 feet, one and one quarter inches on the perimeter for college and 23 feet and uh, and three quarter inches on a perimeter for the uh, for the pro level. And if that rim is 10 feet tall, this is where you find the most entertaining, the uh, most educational and the most informational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast. That's what you're listening to watching right now. Takes take the podcast hashtag where basketball lives. Now I told you guys I was going to have a very special guest for you guys on today. I made a huge promise and that's what we do. We keep our promises right here. But before I do that, I want to make sure that I let you guys know um, to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. I'll always say that I cannot stress that enough anywhere that you find your favorite podcast, that being iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Red Circle, you name it, the whole nine. It is there also streaming on YouTube at Takes Take. So I appreciate everybody that's done so already. And for those of you who are going to do so in the immediate future. Now, um, I, I, I teased a very special guest, got him coming on. Let me bring him on right now because I, I said, you know, a lot of people wanted some questions answered in regards to uh, as we get ahead for the NBA draft, uh, as well as some initial reaction from the NBA lottery this week. We're not even a whole week in on that just yet. Bringing in my good buddy here in Jeff Goodman from the stadium, who does a little bit of everything, a multi-level basketball analyst. Uh, couldn't say it any better myself from the stadium and a podcast host of Good and Plenty. Make sure you go check that out as well. Anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Jeff, how you doing? What's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> I'm outstanding. I, I think the last time I, I, I saw you, I think we were, uh, I want to say that was Champions Classic maybe at the Garden. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably right. That's what it seems like yeah. a long, long it does. time ago, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. And I know we've been talking about doing something like this for quite some time, bringing you on as, as I'm sure that the listeners and the watchers are uh, as well. I want to say this and preface it with this first by saying a, a huge fan of your work, man. You've done a phenomenal job and just kind of watching your movements and the way that you've gone about doing this uh, in this line of work, man, has been outstanding. And I want to make sure that I give you some credit for that before we dive in. No, thanks, man. I'm old. I'm old. I've been doing this <laughs> a, a long time. And uh, the good thing is I still love it. So that, that that's yeah. kind of the cool part, doing it this long. It, it's like you know, you feel like you haven't really worked a day in your life. And, and when you get up and you're you're thinking about complaining, uh, you kind of look in the mirror and say to yourself, I'm pretty fortunate to be able to do what I've done for so long. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully it can continue, but who knows? I want to ask you about this first, Jeff. Um, you know, obviously the lottery came out. Uh, I think just right here, what I have in front of me, we're going to leave nine through 14 out for a quick second. Eight was the Knicks, seven, the Pistons, six, the Hawks, five was Cleveland, uh, four was uh, Chicago, three being Charlotte, uh, two being Golden State, and number one, Minnesota. I want to know how you feel about this one particular guy, because he's probably the hottest name out there for everybody. I keep hearing talking about LaMelo ball this and LaMelo ball that. Yeah. I... Just me. I'm, I'm, I'm not a big LaMelo ball guy. I mean, I, I think that there are some red flags between some defensive efficiencies, shot selection in some cases. I know that you were out there overseas when he decided to make his announcement to go over there and play. What is your overall take on LaMelo ball and whomever takes him? What kind of player are they going to expect to get? Well, that, that's a big question. I think the big key for LaMelo is I think he has a chance to be a heck of a player 
if he's in the right situation, right? I mean, you put him in Golden State, for instance. Man, let him let let him be tutored by Steph, mm-hmm. and then I got confidence. He hasn't been coached. He hasn't been put in the right situations, and I blame his father for that. I, I really do. I mean, I was in Lithuania. He's bounced around all over the place instead of just getting him in a, in a solid um, scenario in which he can learn and grow and learn, like you said, how to guard, learn good shot selection, because you're right. He doesn't do either one of those. I mean, his defense has gotten better, but he was the worst defensive player I'd ever seen at 16 years old, ever, mm. in my entire life. Wow. Uh, but what he does have, Tate, what he does have is something you can't teach, which is the, the ability to pass the ball at a high level, um, see the court, uh, just see things other guys don't. And he's he's similar to his brother that way, right? Lonzo yeah. sees yeah, the is. court, but Lonzo delivers the ball uh, in a completely different way. He, he does it just kind of the hockey assist. He advances the ball quickly. Where everything with Lamelo being kind of the youngest kid is what, you know, glitz and glamour and, yeah. and flash <laughs> and sizzle and all that and no mm-hmm. looks and over dribbling and um, Lonzo doesn't do any of that. But what Lamelo has is the length. Um, he's six seven and a half. Uh, he's not a great great athlete. Again, he doesn't guard, but can he be average defense? Listen, Trey Young's anybody either you know that from being down there he doesn't guard anybody but if you can put up 25 a game it, it doesn't really matter that much whether you can guard if you could put up 20 a game and also deliver seven eight assists which is what Lamelo has a chance to do now again the big key like you said is not only shot selection but shot mechanics mm. because his mechanics are not good he shoots tw- high 20s from three uh he can make them from 40 feet but he makes them like one out of every, you know, 20 of them. And people get all excited. And, and the question is, you don't want him taking that shot anyway. He's not Trey Young shooting the ball from the perimeter. He's not. Um, he's not Steph. He's nowhere close to any of those guys. So, you know, that that's my big concern is where you put him. Because if you put him in Golden State, am I betting on him to succeed? Hell yeah. If you're putting him in Cleveland, am I am I buying him to succeed? Probably not. And saying that, that's funny you say that because I feel like Cleveland has picked up between Kevin Porter Jr. and Colin Sexton and Darius Garland's like guard after guard after guard. And by the way, I know a little bit about that, uh, a, a little bit about that flash and everything because I am the youngest of all of mine. But when you start talking about the mechanics, you know, that seems kind of like be a ball thing, I guess, if, if it's OK for us to assume because of the same thing that Lonzo kind of went through with trying to work on mechanics as far as his shot. Then we start talking about the defense. I can't imagine that there's, I mean, I always tell people, you know, this isn't the eighties and nineties. Who is the top five Name five or five to 10 of the best perimeter defensive players in the league. Of course you got your Pat Beverly's and Avery Bradley's and so forth. But then once you start getting towards the lower part of that list, I think it kind of starts to dwindle out just a tad bit. Um, You know, when you, you mentioned the things you can't teach, he has the court vision, he has the passing abilities, he has the size and the length. Is it fair to assume kind of similar to the same thing for a guy who a lot of people are talking about maybe being number one and Anthony Edwards, who also has some things you can't teach, like some strength and athleticism and so forth? How do you think that fits for him? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, big power guard, athletic. Um, you know, you can put him in a game and physically he looks ready. Uh, but there are a lot of red flags there, too. You know, you're down there. 
off the court issues that a lot of NBA guys are asking plenty of questions about. And, and that's off the court. And then you get to on the court. And he shot 40% from the field and under 30 from three. And his team didn't win the games. And you say to yourself, how can a guy like this go number one overall if he couldn't carry Georgia to, you know, 10, 10 wins this year, whatever it was. Um, so I, I think, you know, that's part of the, the, the issues here is you've got a lot of guys. And, oh, by the way, then you've got a lot of guys. What's the NBA about right now? You better be able to shoot the basketball, yep. right? You better be able to shoot the basketball. All right, LaMelo, 29% from three. Anthony Edwards, 29% from three. James Wiseman, not a super skilled guy in terms of, of offensively. What he brings to the table, more defense, more uh, running the floor. Isaac Okoro, top 10 pick, not a great shooter. Um, you know, even, uh, even the kid Denny. In Maccabi Tel Aviv, not a great shooter. Tyrese Halberton, good shooter numbers wise, mm -hmm. slow, slow release, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there aren't a lot of great shooters when you're talking about some of the top 10 picks, which is why a guy, I, I think, and I know we'll get there, but guys to me like Devin Vassell, uh, Aaron Neesmith, those guys could go higher than we think because they, they, they bring a commodity that is much needed right now um, and much valued to the NBA and, and those guys have size and they can shoot the hell out of the ball. So I think they could move up uh, as we, you know, move up is a relative term because we've all got these mock drafts and we don't know what the hell the, these teams are going to be doing. So move up only when it pertains to the mock drafts that you see out there. Kind of the vibe in the field, the energy that I kind of get from some of this, there's a lot, lot more uh, high risk slash bus potential towards the top versus when yeah. you start going down closer towards the bottom of the lottery and, and throughout the, the first round. Uh, I want to know if that's kind of a fair assessment and what do you expect for some of these teams to do? Because should we expect that somebody like a Golden State, maybe even Minnesota, some teams at the top would be more than willing or would that be smart for them to kind of make a move down to try to acquire an asset along with uh, trying to get rid of the, the pick? All right, so if you're, if you're drafting at like seven, I'll throw it back at you. If you're drafting a seven or 10 or something like that, um, do you want to give up a lot to move up in this draft? No, absolutely not. Right. That's and, and, and I think you and I agree on that, which is why everybody talks about moving down, right? You know, Golden State moving down, Minnesota, can they trade the number? Nobody wants the number one pick. Nobody, mm -hmm. listen, the NBA GMs I talked to, they didn't want to get the number one overall pick. I would have loved to have had a, a camera on Gerson Rosas, who's going to be making this pick for Minnesota, and then put it next to last year, David Griffin, when he got Zion, and, and seeing the difference. Now, Rosas wasn't there. They didn't show him live, but I'm telling you, sure. his face probably was like something like this. Like, this. like, yeah. like I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I want this pick or I don't want this pick. I'll let you in a few. I'll let you know in a few years because, again, I, I think if you're putting a gun in my head and you're saying, "All right, get the top three or you get the rest of the field," who's get, Where's it going to come from? Where's the top player in this draft going to come from in ten years? I'm taking the field a hundred times out of a yeah, hundred right now. For sure. For sure, for sure, and we and we all pretty much know what kind of a, of a draft year that this is, is likely to be expected to be. Uh, you named uh, Devin Vassell, and and uh, I'm not sure if Patrick Williams is still in that conversation either. I Aaron love him. I love Patrick Williams. Do you I really? Okay, that's my guy. That that's the one guy I think in this draft 
has a chance to be special down the road that, that people aren't talking enough about. I really do. He's a man. He can guard multiple positions. Yeah, he, he didn't put up great numbers, but he was a freshman at Florida State. Like, they yeah. got a lot of dudes. I almost feel like you wonder if Leonard was hoping, too, he could keep another <laughs> year if he didn't give him too much, right? It didn't work. And I don't think Patrick Williams really wanted to leave after a mm-hmm. year. I kept hearing he wanted to come back to school, but ultimately – it would have been dumb for him to come back to school because he's going to go in the, I think he's going to go in the lottery. I think he could go in the top 10 and I would take him. Honestly, I I feel it's hard for me to say this, this statement, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like I wouldn't be shocked if Patrick Williams is the best part to come out of this draft. I wouldn't be shocked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what? I've heard that from a, a couple people that I know are really huge basketball diehards themselves. And, and while I definitely respect their, you know, opinions, I definitely obviously respect yours as well. And, you know, just speaking about some of these guys and, and guys that we're talking about have even uh, maybe even dropped. And I'm not sure how true some of these rumors in the rumor mill is, but it just doesn't quite seem like Cole Anthony is expected to go as high as he was when we were watching him during the season. Uh, RJ Hampton, who I personally really, really like a lot. And I know he's got some growing to do and filling to his body and so forth. Between those two guys, where do you see those guys going and what kind of pros do you expect for them to be? I think they're both going somewhere in the 10 to 20 range, number one. And Cole Anthony, I remember tweeting out a couple of years ago when I was watching uh, Wiseman and Cole and Heights in AU ball. I mm-hmm. tweeted something out saying, I love Cole Anthony. I would take him number one in, in college. He's the guy that I would want on my college team. Mm-hmm. But I would take Wiseman, you know, a hundred times number one in, in the NBA over Cole. And uh, his dad, Greg, came back at me on Twitter, came back at me. And I'm like, dude, like the problem is your son is an average athlete, not a great shooter. And he doesn't make people better. He's, he's an MFer. He's a killer on the court. And he thinks he's the best player on the court every time he takes the court. But he's still got a long way to go. And I think a lot of people in the NBA um, realize that right now. He doesn't do any one thing great. And I think he can be Austin Rivers. I think that's kind of Me the, too. the niche Me too. he's going to carve out. And I think his personality is similar to Austin's. They they go on the court thinking yeah. they're the best player, which exactly. you got to be. You have to. But ultimately, you know what they are? They're great in the second unit. They're the best player on the second unit of an mm-hmm. NBA team, hopefully. Yeah, you know, and, and I even had some conversations with some of my buddies that are diehard Hawks, friend, uh, Hawks fans. I know we got so much to get through, and I don't want to keep you too long, but uh, they're diehard Hawks fans, and obviously they got the number six pick, and a lot of people are not very happy with that. And and I thought that it was a really good situation because one of the things that they have to address and their biggest needs is probably defense. I say you go yeah. and get a guy that uh, can probably defend three, maybe four positions at the next level, and that's Isaac uh, O'Connor. I know who you're thinking. That's yeah. an easy one. <laughs> is that like, and they were upset with me about that, maybe because he's a scorer or this and that. Is, is Am I on base? What says you with that? Yeah, I mean, listen, Isaac Okoro is, is a guy that if you're Atlanta, you're right. You should be prioritizing defense if you're Atlanta. More than anything else right now, high character defense, because let's face it, there's only one ball, and Trey's got it in his hands 99% of the time. And there's some other talent there. There really is. I mean, they got a good young team there. Uh, I would go – I think there'll be two guys in that six range that they can look at that, that will bolster the defense. And Isaac Okoro is the guy who can you know defend multiple positions, like you're saying, a wing, not a great shooter. Um, 
but but really good defensively. And to me, if you want to go big, go on Yeka Kongwu. I mean, a terrific defensive big man, and he's a man. You know, 6'9", 250, uh, doesn't need the ball, can can protect the rim, rebounds at a high level. I, I think that's a good take, too. If, if you can get him at number six, I'd be looking at one of those two guys, I think, at number six if I'm Atlanta. Same high school as LaMelo, too. Chino Hills, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that is right. My very last question for you in regards to college basketball, as that goes, uh, am, am I – and I'm just – then that the skill set is probably a little bit better, especially in the offensive end, maybe athletically, maybe. Um, how far are we away from saying that um, that James Wiseman, I pray to God that he's not Nerland's Noel. I, I really, really do. Um, they're different. They're different? Yeah. Well, yeah, they're, they're different. Um, first of all, Wiseman's 7-1. Okay. Right, New Orleans is probably six nine, six you know somewhere around there. Now, New Orleans was still, I'll say, maybe the best shot blocking high school player I ever saw, but but he's only about six nine, six ten. Wiseman seven one, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think can really impact the game defensively. The other thing is they're they're different. Like Wiseman, the big worry is he's too nice. He he's soft. That's the big concern with Wiseman. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's not a he's not a Memphis kid. He's a Nashville kid. You hate to say that, but there's a big difference between difference. coming from Memphis and coming from Nashville. And uh, I, I do think he he needs to get a little bit tougher. But man, I, I still it's hard. Listen, I would take one of him here or Lamelo number one, and and you can't take him number one if you're Minnesota. You just can't. You can't pair him next to Carl Anthony Towns. So I think. I just have too many worries about Anthony Edwards. I have some concerns about LaMelo. Don't get me wrong. I do. I just have fewer concerns. And then the guy that honestly might be the safest pick we haven't talked about is Obi Toppin. He's the safest pick. I mean, shit, he dominated college basketball last year for Dayton, put him on the map, put him in the top five. And, oh, by the way, yeah, yeah, he's pretty athletic. You can play small ball five with him. He can play the four. Defensively, he's a mess. But, but again, I think he gets to where he's a, d- a decent defender and his perimeter shot got a lot better as well last year. I think he shot like high 30s from three. So I, I would take Obi at four, and I don't understand why some people wouldn't say, all right, you know what, like even a Charlotte, would you take, would you take Obi Toppin at number three potentially? Um, maybe. Do – do you think that we'll see a college basketball season this upcoming year? I mean, what are the percentages that you think we will? I mean, I, I'm, what are you hearing right now? I know that's a really tough question to, to really answer. I know that um, I'm just kind of wondering what will it have to take in order for us to have a season? I know Coach K has come on this week. Tom Izzo talking about how badly we need a, a, a college basketball season. Where are we at in regards to how close do you think we really are to having something like that? So I'll give you a little. I did a poll of, of 250 um, athletic directors that's okay. going to come out this week. And uh, and I asked them, I said, uh, what's the biggest obstacle to us having a college basketball season? And of all the schools, uh, all, all the ADs, 40% said testing, 40%. The other ones, liability, were almost 14%. Bubbles, uh, 13%. 
Um, those were the big ones. So I, I do think testing is going to be the biggest issue here for college basketball and college sports in general. Now, again, we got to see what, what happens with college football, right? Can they pull this thing off? I, I still can't comprehend why they're going to have college football games with fans in the in the stadiums to start. Like, if you want to do that in like week two, three, if it goes no. well in week one, fine. Add a few thousand thousand fans. The Kansas City Chiefs, what they did a practice with two thousand fans. Mm-hmm. All right, like you want to start small, but don't you want to worry about have a season first? Like, don't be stupid here. So I, I think, again, I think testing. If we can get a cost-effective, rapid, accurate test by the time mm-hmm. the season starts, November 10th, maybe we go off as is. I, I, I think it's more, um, probably more realistic. Either we're going to start Thanksgiving when all the kids go home for, for school break um, for everybody. Now, maybe there'll be some games that, that, that are played because you could do a bubble with Duke. Think about it. Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan State. Mm-hmm. If, if they could put together a, a, a quick pod, mm-hmm. right, in Chicago. I think the game's going to be played mm-hmm. at the United Center this year. They it could is. put together a pod in Chicago. They're all in the same hotel. They bring them in. They test them um, every day. You know, they're there three days, whatever. You test them every day. They're there. Um, you bubble it up. Like, they could figure that out for those four teams. They got enough money uh, that they could figure that one out and have that. But, you know, could you have a game where, you know uh, – uh, Duke is then playing against, uh, you know, Prairie View A&M. Mm-hmm. Well, it's hard It's hard to imagine because they're not going to have the same testing protocol. Now, what I say is part of that game, that, that agreement, that contract should be, all right, if we're paying you 75 grand to come mm-hmm. here and play, well, 7,500 of that 75 grand has to go towards you testing three times that week, right? You test sure. Monday. You test again Thursday, and then if the game is Saturday night, you test again Saturday morning. And, and you know, you figure 25 people in, in each traveling party, players, coaches, whatever else, 25 people times 100 is $2,500. You do that three times a week, that's 7500 That's kind of where I got that number from. Sure, sure. In the locker room, Jeff Goodman, multi-level basketball analyst from the uh, from the stadium and also a podcast host. Make sure you go and check that out. Good and plenty. Catch him on Twitter as well as on IG or Instagram or the gram or whatever the cool kids are calling it these days. At Goodman Hoops, G-O-O-D-M-A-N-H-O-O-P-S. Uh, I want to transition a little bit over into the since you do multi-level basketball. And obviously, I know that you you're typically located there out of um, out of the Massachusetts area. And that being said, got a really, really awesome series on our hands for the Eastern Conference semifinals. Boston Celtics, number three seed. Toronto Raptors, number two seed. Arguably the two most impressive teams that we've seen throughout the duration of this entire um, postseason. No Gordon Hayward, so I can only imagine that that hurts a little bit. But call me Steven, dude. This whole thing is about as even as even can get. It is. What are the what are the keys to Boston? Obviously, uh, um, advancing on, and what do you what what things do you see within this series alone? You know, I think a lot of it's going to come down to coaching. I really do. These are two of the better coaches uh, in in the. I mean, Nick Nurse has proven himself. I think he, I think he's the best coach <laughs> in the league. I don't, really? I don't know who can argue with that. Okay. I don't know who can argue with that. What he's done these last two years with and without Kawhi, 
it is remarkable. Um, I, I think, listen, to me, um, it, it, it's going to be Kemba Walker. That Kemba Walker-Kyle Lowry matchup, right, of those two tough, uh, diminutive, tough, you know, point guards, I, I think those are, you know, that's kind of going to be the key for me as much as anything else. And, you know, Fred Van Bleed and, 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 and Kyle Lowry have been absolutely terrific. Yeah, I mean, they no have, length. They They're both small, but, man, they just got this. They got that fire in them. They got that toughness. Uh, so I think the Celtics are going to have to match their toughness. I, I really believe that as much as anything. And Pascal Siakam, uh, you know, he's got to have a huge series, too, for Toronto. Listen, I think Boston probably has more talent. But again, like you said, without Gordon Hayward, that takes away a huge piece for the Celtics. That takes away a guy that can make shots, that moves the basketball, you know, very cerebral. And, and I've said all year, the biggest reasons or one of the biggest reasons why Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have flourished as much as they have is, number one, because Kyrie's gone. That helps. And you bring in a guy like Kemba and Gordon Hayward. Those are two guys that don't care about the attention. They're helping mm-hmm. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum go That's up right. a notch instead of I felt like Kyrie was trying to push him down and make sure because he wanted it for himself. Wow. Hayward and, and, and Kemba are just all about team. They're all about the right things. And um, I, I think the loss of Gordon Hayward is going to hurt him. And I, I, I think Toronto wins the series. And for those of you who were wondering exactly how even this thing is, you got Kimba, Jalen Brown, and Tatum on one side, Van Vliet, Lowry, and Siakam on the other side. Of course, we start talking about uh, maybe a starter here, a starter there, and some bench players, Ibaka, uh, Norman Powell, and Anobi against Smart, Cantor, and Grant Williams, who's been doing really good for them as well, contributing uh, some, some really good, um, contributing some good production as a role player as well. Um, and then you're talking about the, matchup of you know coach of the year nick nurse brad stevens who is a respected coach uh but has been receiving some criticism over the last over the course of the last couple of years and a lot of people saying he's been kind of an underachiever a little bit um and speaking about brad stevens he is a coach that uh much unlike some of the others that we've seen previously come from the college basketball ranks go over to the nba and stick and be successful and do extremely well is there a coach in mind currently outside of maybe Rick Pitino again uh, that you could see that could play? I'm sorry, that that, that could coach in uh, um, on the collegiate level and we could realistically see the NBA level and stick. Because I know the conversation came about earlier today in which Juwan Howard kind of did his best job of kind of pushing away a little bit. Um, yep. But do you see any coaches in mind that you think could really be successful at that next next level and stick and stay? Yeah, Tony Bennett would be the guy for me. And, and I know everybody said, well, look, you can't score. <laughs> you can't figure it out on the offensive end. Listen, trust me, Tony Bennett would hire somebody that could run the offense and, and let him run the team and run the defense, and they'll be just fine. Trust me. He's got the, the perfect temperament, the perfect personality, kind of like Brad Steve. He's the closest thing to me that I've been around since Brad Stevens, you know, in terms of their, their, their personalities, no ego. Uh, he might be a little too nice. And that's kind of been a problem with, with Brad a little bit. Um, but that, that would be, some, you know, Bill Self, I think could absolutely pull it off too. And he's been a guy that NBA GMs have mentioned for years. It'll be interesting to see. Does an NBA team go after him soon? 
because obviously they've got all the NCAA stuff going on right now at Kansas. And does he, he's going to get hit. I mean, you know, he's going to get hit with something here. So does he leave for the NBA? And the, the big thing, and he's denied it to me, the big thing that a lot of people have speculated is he, he's buddies and was college roommates with R.C. Buford, uh, who runs the Spurs. Uh, when Popovich retires, is Bill Self next uh, for that Spurs job? I, I don't know if that's the case, but I think he'll be in the mix. I think my last question here for you, and I appreciate you for being so patient and sticking around with us, Jeff, is, um, you know, I, 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 you can see I got all this stuff here behind me. I'm in Sparty yeah. Lane right now, so I'm back home. Yeah. They have been hot on the recruiting trails, do like nobody else's business. I'm curious to know what has changed. Or I know Michigan State and Tom Izzo typically good, get pretty good recruits anyways, but this looks like it's something different. It has that feel of something different. And at the top of that list is Imani Bates. Do you <laughs> classification? Do you think that, you know, we will see him – uniform at some point because there's a lot of speculation as to it being that he won't what what do you what is your take on all of that as far as the job that michigan state has been doing and imani bates eventually playing for sparty or not you know it's funny before you said that name imani bates i was just going to say yeah yeah the reason why michigan state's recruiting <laughs> picked up and looks so good is because of a guy named imani bates i mean like I that changes everything <laughs> right i mean they, they've always done a great job i mean listen nobody I go out, I used to go out every single day in the recruiting period. And, uh, and I know Tom Izzo is out every single day and always is. So he always works. You know, his biggest frustration has always been like, well, we can't beat, you know, Carolina and Duke and, and Kentucky. Like those are the schools we, no matter what we do here, we're not going to be able to beat those blue bloods. They've started to beat them for some guys. And Amani's different, obviously, you know, being a local kid. I think it made sense. And so many other coaches felt like, well, he's not going to school anyway. We're not even going to bother recruiting him. I, I think it was smart in Izzo's case. Now, he didn't have to do a whole heck of a lot. Um, <laughs> but I was there for their, you know, Cash Swinson senior night. And Imani Bates was there. And when I got done talking to Tom, they pulled him in the gym. And he was talking to Imani Bates for a while. So it, it's an easy recruitment because of the proximity. Do I think – listen, if you would ask me that question uh, a few months ago, I would have said there's no chance in hell that he ever plays a game in college. Mm. Now, I think maybe it is a 50-50 deal just because ultimately I think if you're him, do you really want to go to this G League developmental thing, which nobody's going to see um, Jalen Green. Nobody's going to see him next year, honestly. Mm. Dacian Nix, no, Isaiah Todd. Like mm. Isaiah Todd should have went to school. He should have mm. went to Michigan because, trust me, he needed Michigan more than Michigan needed him. Like Juwan Howard would have been – terrific for that kid he should have went for his maturity for everything about it um so i think if you're if you're looking at it if you're money bates you're saying like well these guys did this g league developmental thing and we never heard from them so why am i going to go there yeah i'll make 500 grand maybe i'll make a million but ultimately he's going to make so much goddamn money in his life <laughs> like and and, and if the brand will help him way more at michigan state when he comes in and, oh, by the way, by the time he gets to Michigan State, he'll be able to make some money through, yep. through the NIL. That's NIL. the other part people, right, people haven't talked about. Amani Bates can make some money. I don't know how much he'll be able to actually collect, but he'll mm -hmm. be able to make some money um, as much as he would going to, to the G League developmental program. I, I don't know that pathway program. So I, I think it's a 50-50 it's shot right now for me. 
whether Monty Bates shows up in Michigan State, which is a lot higher than the percentage I had it a few months ago. And see, that's what I was going to say, dude. We could do this all day, and I know that we, we're kind of up against it, and I appreciate you, Jeff, for coming on. And, you know, just between what kind of effect does, you know, the NIL have on the G League, and uh, does Izzo get, eventually get a second championship? So many different things in the air. We'll have to save it until the next time. We'll do it again. Uh, yeah, Jeff we'll Goodman, multi-level basketball analyst from the, uh, from the stadium and podcast host at Good and Plenty. Um, find him on Twitter, on social media platforms, at Goodman Hoops. Again, that is at Goodman Hoops. Again, remember to subscribe to uh, the Good and Plenty podcast anywhere that you can find your favorite podcast. Yeah. That worked yeah. for you? Yeah, absolutely, man. And Absolutely. <laughs> I appreciate you having me on. I really do. And uh, we'll do it again once uh, once the season hopefully starts up. Thanks, Jeff. Looking forward to it. Jeff Goodman, I really appreciate you very much, and I'm sure everyone else does. Uh, that was Jeff, man, and, and, and Jeff did a phenomenal job breaking down so much uh, of what, you know, we can expect to see maybe from college basketball, if we can expect to see it, um, in addition to um, uh, just a little bit about the preview between the, the Celtics and the uh, and the Toronto Raptors for game one in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I'm sorry, Eastern Conference Semifinals, which should be good between a two and a three seed, arguably the two most impressive teams that we've seen since the playoffs began. Uh, and even some really good stuff uh, about, you know, the NBA draft lottery ahead. We talked about James Wiseman. We talked about LaMelo Ball. We talked about Isaac Okoro, maybe to the Hawks. That's what I said to do anyways. Uh, we... Uh, we talked about Obi Toppin. We talked about Anthony Edwards. I mean, we we went all across the board. So I appreciate everybody that had a chance to check this whole thing out. Remember, 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 I got a couple things for you guys to remember, okay? Let's start off with tonight. 15 minutes is something new that I'm doing, kind of helping promote the Tate's Take podcast. Please do me a huge favor and check into some of that stuff and spread the word about this podcast. We've had Jeff Goodman on. We've had on Jared Greenberg. We've had on Van Tate. We've had on uh, Mike DeCourcy. We've had on Jay Billis. And we're just going to keep lining this thing up over and over and over and continue to get some really good guests because I like to try to provide, again, the most informational, the best, the most educational, the most entertaining uh, basketball content um, on the planet in the form of a podcast. But in order for you to stay up to date, instead of me keep on talking your ear off, I'm going to get back to the other stuff here in just a second. Remember to subscribe anywhere that you find your favorite podcast, that being iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Red Circle. If they come up with another one, it's going to be that one too. Also streaming live uh, on YouTube as well. So all you got to do is go to YouTube. People think it's this crazy process. It's going to take forever. It's going to cost me a lot of money each month. Even if it's just five or $10, it's free. All you have to do is go on to YouTube, type in that little search box, just hover over that little magnifying glass right there. Got the search box sitting there. Just put in Tate's take T A T E apostrophe S T A K E. It'll pull right up and just hit subscribe. And it's just that simple. It's very, very easy. Also, anywhere you find your favorite podcast. So if you don't have the, you know, the, the iPhone, you might think you're out of luck. Well, you're not. You got the Android Google podcast. Put that thing right in there. Spotify. If you don't have, you know, you might say, well, you know, I don't I don't I don't have the uh, the, the Android. I got the iPhone and you, it's not doing it for me. You got You got to figure out something from an iPhone. It's already figured out. iTunes iTunes, all you have to do is just put in Tate's Take. Again, T-A-T-E apostrophe S-T-A-K-E. 
Um, and then subscribe from there. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, opinions, suggestions, the whole nine, feel free to hit me up on the social media. We're on all social media platforms. Uh, that is at Tate's Take Hoops. That is T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. Of course, as you already know, that's where basketball lives. So I do. I had a couple of people that actually wanted to chime in uh, and, and, and had some comments uh, that I left behind. So I wanted to make sure that I put this out there. Derek Crush Boyd, who is a phenomenal, uh, consistent listener uh, and, and, and watcher of the podcast. Uh, throw up a couple of little things here that he said. LaMelo Ball is a big, smooth offensive game, has subpar defense, but with his length and his defense, he will improve a lot. I heard the same conversations about uh, in regards to what Goodman was saying about maybe him being a um, – about maybe him being over in Golden State, how much that would help him from a maturity standpoint, amongst other things. I think that that's something that would be ideal for him as they try to tra transition uh, now. Uh, I'm, I can't imagine them adding more light-skinned brothers to the to the team. It's just crazy enough to think that within its own right. But, um, you know, losing Sean Livingston, a player that kind of reminded me quite a bit, especially the ball handler, the length, and things like that of uh, – uh, when he was first coming into the NBA to LaMelo Ball. That was very similar. He's out the door now. Maybe they add in somebody else like that. I don't know. Uh, but I think I'm, I'm very curious to see exactly how that goes. And so while I do agree with some of the stuff that Derek Crush Boyd uh, has said, also saying that Anthony Edwards is a T-Mac clone, just more athletic and a better shooting touch. Mm. Okay. Uh, let's go with another one of his. I want to try and get all these in here before we're out. Uh, you can find Earl, <clears throat> excuse me. You can find value early in the late, uh, late in the draft. Okay. It's just, there are a lot of players that are slept on and can go higher if they can fit some systems better than others where they pick a player because, uh, he is the best player on the board. I'm always interested to see exactly who's going to pick based on best available. Who's picking based on, um, based on team needs and so forth. That's always kind of intriguing to me, and especially when that happens on draft night, which happens to be uh, Thursday, October 16th. It is uh, at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Um, and also mentioning that Isaac Okoro, homegrown from McEachern High School, that is correct, former teammate with 2019-2020 Gatorade Player of the Year, Sharif Cooper, was a multiple asset and can guard defend as a solid offensive game play around uh, the rim is amazing and he is certainly a rim runner and I, I really like Isaac Okoro. I think that's the perfect fit for the Hawks. So the thing I was going to say last but certainly not least and thank you for uh, thank you Derek Crush Boyd for chiming in with us. If you and you guys can be you, 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 you. You can be like Derek Crush Boyd as well and be a part of the show. Feel free to mention uh, feel free to um, throw in some of your questions and and comments amongst other things, opinions and so forth. Uh, if you have anything you want to say throughout the duration of the Tate's Take podcast. So on our way out in conclusion, Monday through Fridays only. Okay. 15 minutes or so after the final game concludes of the day for the NBA playoffs. I'm going to be doing a 10 to 15 minute. I'm trying to do a much better job at not going over because you guys know I don't really love to talk all that much. Um, a 10 to 15 minute recap on all the games that we saw for that day. So tonight we are doing a recap about 15 or so minutes, 15, 20 minutes after the final game, 
after the uh, who is that Blazers and number one seed, the Lakers, LeBron. Um, so after that, we're going to be talking about the whole thing. You guys can be a part of that. Feel free to um, share this podcast with your family, some of your enemies, your grandma, your mama, your everybody. And I certainly appreciate it, overly appreciate it, overly thankful and overly grateful for your contribution for those of you who are listening live and for those of you who are listening and watching later on in the future. Uh, appreciate it, everybody. We'll be back. Uh, what is this? Monday? We should get ready to probably start ramping some stuff up right around toward getting closer towards the end of the week. So um, I appreciate everybody and uh, everyone have a good one. Beautiful people.